Hey, what's up? My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in to the GT Young Adults Podcast. We're a community, a part of GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus and have a passion to learn and live like him and have a ton of fun doing it. All of the messages and conversations you find here will point you to his truth and his hope, so lean into whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy what you're about to hear, and thanks for listening. Hey, I, I'm just always honored when I get the opportunity to come and to, uh, to share here. It's like a real gift to be at this service with you guys. And I uh, just want to thank uh, Pastor Lucas for the opportunity. And uh, my heart is always for you. I love you. And to get to spend time with you is really, really cool. Um, summer's kind of coming to a close. And uh, we've actually been in this future church series for just a little while. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to kind of give you part two of what I gave you by video two weeks ago, okay? So two weeks ago, um, I was sharing the, the new name, Coastline Church, and why that was the case and what we're doing. And kind of the picture that I created was this idea of, like, it's, it's not me, it's actually Jesus who created this picture of the wine and the wineskins. Do you remember that from two weeks ago? If you're not familiar with that story, basically Jesus is saying that we need a new wineskin for new wine to go into it. Because if you put new wine, which is like grape juice, into an old wineskin, it will burst. Because, you know, there's a fermentation process and so on. So it's a really practical way of saying, listen, I'm doing something new. And when I'm doing something new, there needs to be a new vessel to hold that. And so I want to talk this week, kind of pick that up and talk about the idea of like, how, how can we find an example somewhere in the Bible, somewhere in, um, in, in what, what the story of Scripture tells us in order to kind of, how do we make that kind of a vessel? And so I thought it would be really cool to go to a place in the scripture where that's exactly what's happening. So I talked last uh, two weeks ago by video on the, uh, the concept of renewal and revival. Does anybody remember that? Maybe, maybe not. I'm just going to catch you up, okay, because there's a little bit of a gap um, between those two messages. I talked about renewal and revival. I said that renewal leads to revival because renewal is is making old things new. Renewal is making old things new. And so in other words, when God comes and visits you, you know, you've been a follower of Jesus, but God comes and visits you and something fresh happens, something old inside of you gets, you know, gets made new. It gets fresh. It's, it's, there's a freshness to your walk, a passion for your walk. And the reason why that's so important is because when that happens to you, then you're ready to be a vessel that God can use, Right? You're excited, you go back enthusiastic, you go back with passion, with heart. And that's that renewal process. And, and churches need that, individuals need that, and, and movements need that. But beyond renewal, what happens is renewal actually leads to revival. Because when I'm renewed, then I start to share my faith, I start to be a blessing, I start to, to call other to something, others to something new. So the difference is this, renewal is making old things new and revival is bringing dead things to life. And so when we think about revival, we have to think about it in those terms. It's like there are people in our world who right now, like the way the Bible says it, they're dead in their sin, right? But when they find Jesus, the Bible says they're alive in Christ. That's revival. 
And so renewal leads to revival because you get on fire and then you bless those around you. The next thing you know, something beautiful is happening. And this happens corporately as well. When we go through times of renewal, we can be sure that God doesn't want to just stop there, right? God doesn't just want to stop at refreshed spaces and new names, right? God wants to move beyond renewal into revival. He wants to bring dead things to life. And I want you to know that I really sense in my heart that as a movement, we're on the edge of that. And God has a plan to do something, and we get to be a part of it. So how do we become that new vessel? How do we become that person? How, how, where do we find an example of forming that vessel? So I want to look back in history at the children of Israel. And I want to look back to a time where they were uh, coming out of their exile. You see, they had disobeyed God. And as a result, they had been carried away by King Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. And they were living there as exiles in the land. And, and this was a broken and sad time for them as a nation. And, and yet, 70 years, fast forward 70 years, we find ourselves in our text, which is Ezra. Now, Ezra is a book in your Bible, in the Old Testament, that needs to be coupled with two other books. One is Nehemiah, which is the story of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. And the other is Esther, which is the story of God's dramatic salvation for his people in exile. The three of those go together, but Ezra is actually the story of rebuilding the temple. Rebuilding the temple. And you know what? There's parallels for us. They came back after 70 years. Well, it's funny that we came back to church after 70 weeks. They were in 70 years of isolation. We were in 70 weeks. How many of you felt like it was longer than 70 weeks? Did it feel more like 70 years? Yeah. It was a long time. And for us, we come back now. There's a returning and there's a renewal and there's a reconstruction. That's what happens in this story. And listen, that's what's going on here. There's a returning. There's a renewal. God's doing something in our hearts and we're really sensing that. And if you didn't hear that message, you should listen to it. But I want you to also know that God is reconstructing some things and making some things not just brand new, but bringing us from renewal into revival. So there's a, there's a parallel here. So I want us to look at this. I'm going to read several verses, and we're going to look at Ezra's account of the people returning. See, the reason why they, they got pulled away was because of their disobedience. When they were pulled away into exile, the temple was destroyed, literally ruined. The wall torn down, the gates burned. And then for 70 years, the nation of Israel, the capital city, Jerusalem, just was laid to waste. People pillaged it, you know, trees and, and everything. Just, it was overgrown. It was gross. It was awful. And then the opportunity comes for them to come back. And so let's look at this renewal story. Ezra 1.1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. So in other words, he just... He made a statement about the nation of Israel. We're going to read that in just a minute. But it says here that Jeremiah had spoken this prophecy. And that's very true. When they went into exile and they were sitting on the rivers of Babylon weeping, which is what the Psalms say. Jeremiah sends a message to them and says, listen, wait well. You're going to be here a while. And he used a verse that's very familiar to us. It's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
plans to give you, you know, to bless you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. And, and, and how many of you ever heard that verse or a, maybe a better version of it? Then, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a verse that we use widely, but the context is so important. He was writing to exiles, saying, you got to wait well. Some things are coming. Don't give up. And I want to applaud you for being here in that season of waiting, waiting for what God's going to do next, the explosion of the suddenly of God that's yet to come, but we're waiting for it. And I want to thank you for waiting well. Wait faithfully. Wait with hope. Wait with optimism. Wait in trust because God is doing something. Amen? And so Jeremiah uh, spoke this, and that same call is to us today. So let's look at verse 2 now, because this is where God's timing just explodes on the scene. Verse 2 says, this is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. Finally! After 70 years, it finally comes down, and and they can go back. This is super exciting. It's very interesting. King Cyrus was the king of Persia. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. The Babylonians took them into captivity. The Persians returned them. In fact, that's what Cyrus's um, legend and manifesto was all about. There's this famous artifact called Cyrus's Cylinder. You can Google it if you want. It has ancient Persian writing all over it. And what it says is, Cyrus is amazing, and this is why he sends all the people back. So Nebuchadnezzar's greatness was, was, was gathering all the people. Cyrus's greatness was sending them all back. And this is exactly what happened. The cool thing is, Isaiah 45 talks about a guy named Cyrus who would begin a new day for the nation of Israel. And that prophecy was written a hundred years before Cyrus was even on the scene. I mean, the Bible's amazing. And the, and the, the prophetic words that are in your Bible are actually uh, Amazing. And so this is the time. And here's what Cyrus says next. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. And not only that, if you were to go to chapter 7, you'd discover that Cyrus himself gives all kinds of money. He gives him like a blank check, says, Ezra, just go do it. Why is this cool? Why is this important? And how does this connect to our lives? Well, the neat thing is, is during the pandemic, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but we've been doing a little bit of work in the building. And, and you know, honestly, I have, I have friends and I know people, even on this island, who are pastoring churches that were in renovations when COVID hit and everything shut down. Not only did everything shut down, the contractors all went away. Not only did all the contractors go away, all the money went away. And they found themselves in a terrible place. And and my heart breaks for them. I pray for them. And we continue to talk and see if there's ways we can help. But God did something incredible for us during the pandemic. And what it was is, you know, we just, we, we really felt like God gave us wisdom. Zenaid, who handles all of our finances, she's an amazing person. And she discovered where the money was. And I want you to know that King Trudeau, (laughs) yeah, the government of Canada, I'm here to testify, gave us $500,000 that we used to rebuild the house of God. That's a cool story. The reason why that's such a cool story is because it's not like he just wrote us a check, right? It's a cool story because God showed us how to access that money 
during a time when we really needed it. God was faithful to rebuild his house. And as a result, we've been able to keep going. And now we're at a place where God's going to bless us again. We're on the threshold of, of another step. We're in another phase. And we need God to come through again. But he always does, and we trust him. But I just wanted you to, to see that God was working a parallel story for us and our renewal alongside of what we're reading here. It's pretty cool. Let's get to verse 5. It says, Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved. That's a really cool line. Everyone whose heart God had moved prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. The ESV says everyone who God's spirit, whose spirit God had stirred. God stirred up spirits. God moved hearts and people felt motivated to go, to do something, to move from their place of exile back into a promised land. But how many of you know it wasn't a beautiful place that they were going to? It's interesting. I feel like God is doing this again. God is stirring up hearts. God is moving hearts, stirring spirits. And people are saying, I want to be a part of what God is up to. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want God to use my life because there's something happening. And I believe that God is doing it. I don't want to just fill a seat. I want to have my heart moved. I don't want to just fill a seat. I want to serve. I want to give. I want to pray. I want to make a difference. And I'll tell you why I believe God's doing that. He's doing it with some of you already. He's doing that because the vision always needs champions. Always. Always. It takes people who will say, I'll be a part of that. I won't just stand back to see if it happens. I'm going to be a part of making it happen. And, you know, if you get to chapter 2 of Ezra, you discover that it's just a long list of names. Like a really long list of names. And, and we're going to skip it entirely, and I'll tell you why. Number one, boring. And number two, if we tried to pronounce them all, we'd say them wrong. So what's the point, right? So if you want to read the list, you can. But here's the point I want to make is that God does keep attendance. God is watching for champions. God is looking to see who are going to put their shoulder to the work of the ministry, who are going to push forward in the vision, who are going to see it actually happen. And not only that, these guys are immortalized in Scripture because they put their shoulders to the load. It is so cool. And, you know, it's important to know that, like, there was only 50,000 of them that returned. There were over 2 million, over 2 million exiles. And only 50,000 came back. Why? Because rebuilding is hard. That's why. It's hard. It's hard to come back after the pandemic and feel the same fire in your soul that you had before. It's hard when the numbers aren't the same and, and the activities aren't the same and everyone's a little cautious. It's hard when it feels like it's a quieter night at the six. It's hard when you're rebuilding and people are saying, no thanks, I'm not interested in serving right now. It's hard when people are so worried about their physical health that they're not sure they can give any attention at all to their spiritual health. It's hard to rebuild. It's hard work. Not only that, I mean, just geographically, these guys, they had a 1,500-kilometer walk. Can you imagine after, after the 6th tonight if I'm like, hey, anybody want to walk with me to Saskatoon? God's doing something there. Trudeau said we could go. Anybody in? It's just a brisk swim and then a great walk. Anybody interested, right? It's hard. It takes a lot of effort. And so, and so as a result, there were not very many that wanted to come back. And hey, let's look around, guys. This room was fuller before the pandemic. You've never heard me say that before because it doesn't even matter because this is where we are. 
But let's just pause for a minute and say there's still many that haven't come back. There's still many that haven't come back. Some of you are like new and you're like, hey, this is great. But for those of us that were here before, it still feels like many haven't come back. And, and, and the truth is there's reasons for that. Some are older, some are immunocompromised, some have concerns and challenges when it comes to their own, their own like health. But there's also some that just chose. I'm out. It's too hard. I don't want to restart. I don't want to get back in that thing. I'm comfortable. PJ Church is awesome right? And this is the truth. This is where some people are at. And so I got a word from a friend about six to eight months ago. He's a pastor in the U.S. He said, this word's for your church. And I said, I'm not ready to share it with my church yet, but I'm going to share it with you tonight. And it's simply this. He said to me, tell your church, move with the movers and build with the builders. And I, and I thought, man, I don't want to share that. That doesn't seem very nice. It's not very kind. It's not very like, you know, edifying, to use a biblical word. But you know, I realized that the reason why God brought that word to us is because we can't delay. The kingdom of God demands that we get going. And so here's the call. The call is let's go. Let's go. Let's renew. Let's rebuild. Let's reconstruct. Let's do what God has called us to do. We're going to move with the movers. We're going to build with the builders. And I'm asking you to be those people. I'm asking you to join us in this because God is up to something. And, and here's a, a thought for you. What I've discovered is that renewal requires a re-surrender. And many of us, it's been like, oh, you know what? I gave my life to Jesus. He, you know, Jesus, you can have my heart. You can have my life. And I feel like at this point, when we're about to step into this season of renewal, when God's going to do something, it takes a people who say, God, here's my life again. Here's my time again. Here's my focus again. Here's my efforts again. Here's my prayers again. Here's my finances again. Here's the strength in my body again. Here's my devotion and my character again. It requires a re-surrender. And I really believe that God's calling you to that. He's calling you to that. You know what consistency has looked like. You know where you've been. You know what you've done. You know what effort there has been toward God's house and God's kingdom. And it may be that God is saying to you now, it's time for a resurrender. Okay, so here's what happens. We're going to look now at chapter 3 because I mentioned chapter 2. We're skipping it. Okay, so let's go to chapter 3. Here's verse 1. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. I want to look at this verse with you because the reason why is because when I was reading this verse, when I was studying and I was like, okay, Lord, speak to me about this. I got to the comma and it's like God wouldn't let me go. And he said to me as I was studying this, this is where everybody's at. Everybody's settled. Everybody is settled. We figured it out. We figured out post-pandemic life. We figured out how to do the gym again. We figured out how to do school again. We figured out how to do groceries again. We figured out how to do work again. We figured out how to go to the movies again. We even figured out how to ride on the airplane again. We have figured it out, but the problem is we've now settled in. And so what we can do is now that we're back to kind of what would be our new normal, we've got this new way of doing things, and it's really easy to get stuck right there. But you know what we have to decide? Are we going to stay and just settle, or are we going to assemble as one? 
And really, when God is doing something, when renewal is happening, there is a breakout of unity. And it's not just about my house. It's not just about my space. It's not just about my life. It's about what God wants to do with us together. Is anybody feeling me tonight? I really believe this. And so it's really important that we move beyond just being settled and into assembling. We're going to do this together. We're going to go together. And the first thing that the Israelites did was they built an altar. And I got to tell you, when it comes to like being vulnerable and moving from safety and security to vulnerability, I'm not thinking about building an altar. These guys were way closer to God's heart than I would be. (laughs) I'd be thinking like, how can we get an army in this place? How can we build a wall? How can we build a moat? How can we protect ourselves? Where's the army barracks, right? I'd be thinking about other things, but they have something to teach us here. And that is that they were captured by the, not the fear of people, but the fear of God. In fact, look at what the verse says, Ezra 3.3. Despite their fear of all the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and the evening sacrifices. And there's a picture here. There's a picture here. They said, we're so desperate. We've got to have the presence of God. Whatever the cost. If it costs us our personal safety, we have to have the presence of God. God, if you don't go before us, like Moses said, don't send us. God, if you're not in this, then we can't do it. And some of us need a reorientation from the fear of people, which is really strong right now in our culture. The world has a really big fear stick, and it's using it a lot. (laughs) You can't turn around without having felt like you've stepped into another landmine, a a canceling, uh, a, a, a new sense of we got it wrong again. And there's a paralysis that goes with that. And I want you to know the answer to that is the presence of God in your life giving you peace, giving you confidence. And so they understood something that I would have missed, and that's that this reorientation into the longing for God was so key. And here's the quality that I want you to hold on to, that in a renewal time like this time, it requires a priority on prayer and on worship. Man, when God wants to do a renewal work in you, it's really rooted in prayer and worship. And wouldn't it be amazing, can you imagine God actually set our hearts on fire about hearing his voice. Set our hearts on fire about being with him in a way that that was the prize, that was the win, that was the hope. I want to read you something actually from my journal. From last year when I was on my sabbatical, I, I, I pinned these words from a book I was reading that was really significant to me. So I'm going to ask you, let's just do this exercise together. Do you mind closing your eyes? And just let me speak these words over you about about hearing God's voice. It says, Since God breathed into us the breath of life, our divinely touched dust has been honored with a standing invitation to listen for our Creator. I just want you to, with your eyes closed, just meditate on that a minute. That the invitation is yours. Prayer and worship is your access point. You can hear the voice of God. You can have the clarity of that kind of direction in your life. You have a standing invitation to listen for your creator. 
I want you to think about this, eyes closed. The sound of personal renewal is the whisper of God's voice. Why? Because one word from God can send a wave of freshness through your life. So God, speak to us. Thank you for the invitation that we can come and we can hear your voice. Amen. Now listen, there's all kinds of opportunities. You can, you can pursue this on your own, but I think in a renewal movement, we need to look for places where we can do this together. And so that's why I'm so glad that uh, Steph was mentioning uh, First Wednesday coming up. Because I don't think we always recognize this, but did you know that like our like liturgy as a church family are those songs that we sing? I know for some of you, you're just learning the words and some of you are not sure that you're gonna say the words. And so you're just watching. But I want you to know, don't miss your opportunity to pray with us. And we say, I open up my heart to you. Do what only you can do. These are our prayers and we pray them together. We sing them with all of our heart. We access our passion and we pray these songs. So join with us as we sing. This is the place where prayer touches the creative soul. When we sing and we lift up our voice to God. On Tuesdays, every Tuesday we pray in this room. Maybe you can't be with us. We always turn on the camera. You can join us from where you are, from your desk, from your lunch break, on your phone, from home. You can join with us every Tuesday. Pray with us. Let's make prayer a priority. Let's make worship a priority. Also, in small groups this semester, what we're going to do is we're actually going to take the prayer points from our Tuesday prayer time. We're going to give it to all the small group leaders, and we want our small group leaders to choose an item from that list and pray in your small group. We need to prioritize prayer. And I'm so excited for New Year's Day. It's a Sunday. I think that's a brilliant day to pray. That's going to be super awesome. I'm already excited. And it's like, you know, it's not even Christmas. And I'm already excited about New Year's, right? I just think we've got these opportunities. And one thing that's very specific is what, what Steph mentioned also. That on September 3rd, from 4 to 6 p.m., we're mobilizing as a church, along with many others, the Church of Victoria and beyond, and we're going to pray in Centennial Square. And that requires a bit of boldness. we got these t-shirts that say, God bless Victoria. We're praying for British Columbia. And we're going to do it right in Centennial Square. What we're saying is, God, this place is yours. This is your space. Do what you want to do. Do what only you can. Hear our prayers and release your blessing. We're building an altar in the center of our city. So I want to invite you to come and join us. It's September the 3rd, 4 to 6. Zachy, brother, is here. Hey, Zachy, you want to wave to everyone? He's here. Oh, hello. <laughs> and he's going to be at the back to meet you with friends and, and uh, just talk to you. Those t-shirts are free. He wants you to wear them. And um, it's going to be worship sessions and, and prayer times. It's going to be sweet. And we're just going to love on Jesus and, and let a watching world see our love for our Savior. So I want you to come. I want you to come along with us because we need a priority on prayer and worship. Second, uh, maybe second, third, I don't know. I'm just preaching. So third is um, renewal requires a priority on serving, on serving. When you look at the storyline as they start to rebuild, and by verse 8, they're already laying the foundation of this temple. There were three kinds of builders. There were the Levites, who would be called the spiritual builders. 
There were the heads of the families, which would have been the financial builders. And then there were all of us, which were the physical builders. It's like everybody. Everybody was pitching in. The Levites, the heads of family, everybody. And sometimes we can look at that and we can kind of, you know, put some distance between us and that idea. And, and when we think about our own renewal, we're like, oh, the spiritual builders, that's like Pastor Lucas and stuff. You know, that, that's that team. Um, it's like, it's like the, the leadership or the prayer warriors or whatever. And when we think about, when we think about the, um, the, the financial builders, we're like, oh, yeah, that's those rich, the rich people that go to the services in the morning, right? That's their job, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're the ones that take care of that. And then when we get to that place where we're like, oh, it's, uh, it's the, the physical builders. Well, maybe I could do a little something, but I am super busy, like way busier than everyone else in the world, right? It's very easy for us to kind of create this space between us and the opportunity of renewal. And I just want you to know that's a very Old Testament way to look at things. We're New Testament Christians. So in other words, we believe that the Bible teaches us that Jesus has given us everything. He's given us everything. The Holy Spirit empowers us and Jesus has called us. And so guess what? You get to be all of it. You're a king and a priest unto God. That's what the New Testament teaches you. In other words, you can do the ministry. You can be a spiritual builder. You can do the, the, the financial building. You have resources. What you have matters. When you give, it matters. It makes a difference. We all do it together. And then when it comes to the physical work, come on. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's get busy. Let's get serious. Let's, let's say, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. And, and that's the joy of being someone who realizes that renewal requires a priority on serving. I, I'm looking for high numbers of involvement. I'm believing God's calling all of us to step in. So don't exclude yourself from that because you're the one who's going to miss out on it. So the, the last thing I want to share with you is this. This is not to exclude anybody. There's a number of different ages here, and I happen to be on the upper end of the uh, crowd tonight. It's fine. <laughs> Don't mind it. I wear my cool sweater. <laughs> um, and, and, and this is not to exclude anybody, but this is just a set of priority that I think is really important. It's important in all revival movements, and it's also important in any church in renewal, any church that stays vibrant, and this is the case, that renewal requires a priority on training and releasing the young. I want you to know, as soon as the church stops thinking about who's next, they're dying. And a lot of churches have found themselves in crisis coming out of COVID because they just had been surviving on momentum from a different day. We're not going to do that. In fact, I need you to hear me say this whole movement, Coastline Church, is behind you. You got to lead us. You got to take us somewhere. You got, you're in the trenches. You know the people. You know what's going on with culture. It's not hard for you. These things are confusing to old people like me. You just know how to do this. God has wired you for this moment. Don't make it somebody else's job. It's your job. You're the ones that can actually get this work done today. You're the ones that can fuel the renewal because you know what's going on. You're living it. God wants to give you answers to the perplexing questions of your culture. God wants to give you a voice that speaks louder than the noise and the fear. God wants to use you in a powerful way. And I want you to know that we're here. We're here as a church to stand behind you to say, you go. You go. I want to show you a verse. It's super cool. It's verse 8. And so in verse 8, 
it says this, they appointed Levites 20 years old and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. You're like, what's cool about that? What's cool about that is the, is the Levitical law. Actually, it's in Numbers 30, where it talks about what the Levites are supposed to do. It says that they have to be 30 years old and older before they can serve. But this verse, this is a renewal verse. This verse is about what you do when it's time to rebuild. And you know what you do? You get the young, excited, capable people out in front. And you say, you lead us. You lead us. You can do this. Sure, it might be a little messy. Let's go. You can't make an omelet unless you break eggs, right? Like, let's go. Let's go. I'm really ready for a few things that we go like, oh, we probably should have thought that one through. Rather than like, is there anybody here who cares, right? I want to give you permission. I'm inviting you to experiment, to take a risk, to reach people, to try new things because it's a rebuild season and we're putting our trust in you and you're under great leadership and God has a, has a, a passion to see you take hold of this season because it belongs to you. This is your time. It's your time. And like I said before, that there was this place where God started to stir spirits and move hearts. I think God's doing that for you. I think God's doing that in you. So don't make that about somebody else. God wants to use your life. Stop avoiding that. Stop denying that. Because as soon as you accept and kind of move into this re-surrender we've been talking about, God's going to download to you fresh vision and give you pieces to the puzzle that we just don't have yet. I want you to know my job, my job, our job as a team, is just to give you an opportunity to train and release. So you want to grow, we want to help you grow. You want to take steps, man, we, we need you to take steps. We want to do this with you. I believe that in this room, there are church planters, there are missionaries, there are those who will shake workplaces, those who will form culture, those who will stand in the halls of government. I believe that with all of my heart. And so I want you to feel empowered and trained and released. So we're going to work hard. We're going to work hard on that. But the one thing I can't do is I can't move your heart. I can't stir your spirit. I need God to do that. In fact, God wants to do that. God is already doing that. And so let's respond to that. You see, there's a kind of this closing passage, and I'm just going to share it with you really quick. I'm not going to read it. But what happens in this closing passage is like, they get the foundation of the temple built. It's not done yet. It's not done. It's just the foundation. And, you know, they get together to celebrate because you got to celebrate along the way. Right? The, the renovation isn't done, but one phase is done. Let's celebrate. Right? Let's celebrate it. You've got to celebrate along the way. So they get together and they're celebrating and there's trumpets and cymbals. I'm thinking that's what uh, Homecoming Sunday is going to look like here. Welcome home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Marching band. I'm feeling, I'm feeling marching band. Yeah. Yeah, big drum. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they got together to celebrate. And there's this one verse in verse 12 where it says that they were shouting for joy and saying, the Lord is good. And then, and then it says this, it says, but 
the older priests, the older heads of families, those, listen, those who had seen the former temple, it says, when they saw the foundation of this temple, they wept. They wept. But there were others, and they were just celebrating. And verse 13 says, you can't tell who was who. You couldn't distinguish the ones that were celebrating from the ones who were kind of mourning. And, and I had this picture of people who are walking in this season, taking one of two postures, saying like, oh, this just isn't the same as it used to be. Doesn't feel the same, doesn't look the same. Room's not full, balcony's not full. Where's all the people? Where's those songs I liked? You know? These stones, they don't look like the beautiful stones that Solomon put here. They're just kind of like, you know, they're just little, just like pieces you put back together. See, you can look at what God is doing now and you can be grieved or you can look at what God is doing now and you can celebrate. You see, because you had these older guys who had seen what was and they were comparing it to what is and we all know that comparison kills our joy. So there they were, no joy. And I mean, maybe not that many in this room, but some of you maybe, been here a long time and you might feel like, oh man, this isn't what it was. Compare it and it feels negative. But here's what I want you to see. Think about those 20 year olds, those Levites, never seen the old temple, been in exile their whole lives. They show up and they put these things together and they're like, look what God is doing. See what I did? <laughs> you know, look what God is doing. They're excited. We need the enthusiasm of those who aren't jaded by what was, who aren't looking to go backwards, but are ready to go forward. We need the enthusiasm, the strength, the capacity of those who are saying, I will catch a vision and lead a vision and do something for God in this day. And I believe that's you. I believe that's you. The Bible uses a term called first fruits. First fruits are the first thing that comes in as the harvest. And I think that's what you represent. You're the first fruits. There will be a day, mark my words, when you sit in this room or stand in this room and you look around, you go, my goodness, look at all these people. Look at all these young, vibrant, Jesus-loving people. And I want you to know you're the first fruits. And God's about to do something because renewal is turning to revival. Amen? I wanna pray with you. Would you stand to your feet for just a minute? I wanna give you an image as we pray. And this, this applies to every one of us because we've all had either a way of functioning over the last two years or we've, we've got a long history of the way things were or, or, or we're just in that season where, where we, feel, we feel like, okay, Andy, you're calling me to something new. So here's your image. I want you to think of a trapeze artist, which is just terrifying to me because I'm afraid of heights, but a trapeze artist swinging on, you know, on the, the ropes, just swinging back and forth, legs moving, lots of momentum. The 
The truth is, is that trapeze artist can look beautiful, but really go nowhere until they let go in order to hold on to something new. That's how the trapeze artist moves from point A to point B. And I really think that some of you have to just hear God's voice today in this. God is saying, let go. Let go of what was. Let go of what's holding you back. Let go of that fear. Let go of that pain. Let go of that past experience. Let go of that that dream that was never God's for you. Let go of that relationship. Let go of that, that addiction, that sin. Let it go. And reach for what God has next. You actually can't have what God has next until you let go of what was or what is. And so God, we together just re-surrender. We re-surrender, Lord. This is our letting go. Take our lives, take our hearts, take our minds, take our souls, heal us, speak to us. And Lord, for some of us, even right now, we're in that mid-air moment. We've let go and we're believing you're coming through. Our hands are open. Put what you want into our hands, Lord, and use our lives. And so I pray in Jesus' name, no weapon formed against us will prosper. That he who began a good work in us will complete that work. That you are calling us, Lord, not just saving us, but calling us we say yes to you. Use our lives. Holy Spirit, come. Let's get close. Come right now in this moment. Holy Spirit, just, just do your work of confirmation. Just settle heavy upon those you are ministering to. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to do the work that only you can do. So, I thank you for what's yet to come, God. Thank you for vision. Thank you for champions for the vision. Lead your church and release and empower those in this room in Jesus' name. Amen.